good to be in God's house today. Amen? Well, I tell you what, never fails. I come, I speak for a couple of weeks. The, the center, first two or three rows, they just move back. They start moving back. I don't know if it needs to be like at SeaWorld that we just put signs, you know, splash zone right there because, you know, afraid I spit on them or something. I don't know what it is, but uh, good to see you all back there. Amen. 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 You know, that's the good Baptist back there. Y'all know that, right? Y'all, y'all don't have it together up front because you don't, you, you don't understand what Scripture said. Scripture said not to take these chief seats up front, but to sit in the back and wait to be called forward. Amen? Amen. Those are people of the book back there, so we're, we're glad to see you. And, and I can't see you because of the light coming through the back window, and that's even better for you. Amen? Come on now. Join me here. Hey, you know what? I've heard a rumor. But it's not a rumor. I've heard that next Sunday, there's going to, there's going to be a candidate standing here. And uh, I believe that you've been praying for your committee. And so you already know that uh, while I said uh, preachers are a dime a dozen. Amen? I'm just telling you, preachers are a dime a dozen. So it's not hard to find a preacher. But you know what it is hard to find? A man of God who will walk in the Spirit and lead a people to the presence of the Father. And I hope that's what you have been praying that your committee will be bringing before you. And I believe it to be true. And so I want to take the Word of God this morning and I want to look at that early church. I want to look and see what was happening when Christ ascended into the heavens and the church was being formed, what was those initial things that God had at work in the life of those who were followers of Christ? What was going on? Because clearly, the success of the church is not in the man who stands in the pulpit, but in the heart and the living out of faith of the believers who gather together around the Word of God with that man. In other words, success in church is not because of who stands in the pulpit, but because of the people who serve in the pew. So when you look at a great church, oftentimes we say, look at that preacher. But the preacher is nothing without the body, without the church. So if you want a great church, it's not so much about the man as it is the members. Amen, oh me? Move on. You may change sermons. We can take a vote. I can go back to preach about the man if you want. But, but see, that's not consistent with Scripture, is it? Because what we find here is that the Holy Spirit that is promised, is not promised just to the leader. They had that in the Old Testament. You, you realize that, right? They had, they had the anointing of God on the leader in the Old Testament, and the people were just simply to follow along. But in the New Testament, the New Testament is quite different because in the New Testament, the Spirit of God rests upon all believers. 
And now, that move of the Spirit is for all believers, resting on all of our shoulders, so that together we do the work of Christ in our world today. So, the question is, not so much in modern times, a question of what kind of man stands behind the pulpit, but what, what kind of listener, hearer of the word, and doer of the word, sets in the pew. Because I can take you to a lot of churches that look really good, and they have large crowds. But if you were to look closely, you find that there is no transformation of life taking place. No, no change in the community. And just gathering a crowd and just having large... That, that's not what church is all about. Church is about engaging the Spirit of God, and in the power of that Spirit, doing greater things than even Jesus did when he walked on the earth. You say, now where'd you get that? Well, I got that out of the Scripture. Amen? He said, even greater things will you do than I've done here while I've walked with you. Now think about that. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have done greater things than Jesus has done while he walked on the earth? How many of you have seen a situation where greater things were done than when Jesus walked on the earth? Well, did he, did he lie? No, you see, Jesus was talking about, while he walked on the earth, the miracles that were, that were seen were of a physical nature. He healed the blind, the lame, the deaf, the infirmed of the world. He, 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 he did the things in the physical realm and the miracles of the physical realm are always temporal because the physical is always temporal. Even Lazarus, who rose from the dead, died again. Died again. Because the physical miracles are all temporary. Calm the sea. But the sea rolled again. Physical. When Jesus said, greater things you will do, he's saying, you're going to do things on a spiritual level, in the spiritual realm. And in the spiritual realm, when miracle takes place, it is eternal. Eternal. So listen, if you've been a, a part of seeing somebody come to know Christ as their Savior and Lord, and old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new, and the transformation of life has taken place, that's a great thing. And there is no greater to be seen in this world than the life 
of a lost person transformed through the power of the Spirit of God. From death to life, they arise for all eternity. That's a great thing. And that's what we are all to be about. These are the great things that the church is to to be about. And so when he says to them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, but you shall receive power. Everybody wants power. They they want to be powerful. They want to have have authority. They, They want to have success. They want to be able to... But that's not what he's saying. He's saying you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. <laughs> let, me, let me just say this. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. There is no more of the Holy Spirit available to you than you have in you right now. Because the Holy Spirit is a person. You have all of Him or you have none of Him. It's just the way it is. However, there is more of you to yield to the Spirit that lives in you than what is being yielded today. Amen, oh me, move on. So, so the Holy Spirit can have more of me yielded under his authority than what I currently have allowed him to have authority over in my life today. But there is no more of the Holy Spirit to gain. So the more I yield myself to him, the more access he has to work through me for his glory. And that's what he desires for the church Because the Spirit of God rests upon the church and He wants to have freedom to move through the members. He wants the whole body yielded to His authority. And He says, after this, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and the Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. He's saying, you will receive this power. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use an acrostic so that you can remember these things, but, but I, I don't want you to get wrapped up in the fact that we're using acrostic because I want you to take these words and I want you to go back to the passage in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and I want you to see how they, how they come into being. But I want you to understand that, that the power is revealed to the early church in the Spirit of God. But here are some ways that God gave the church and individuals who make up that body ways for them to connect with His Spirit so that His Spirit can move through them for His glory. And the first of those is prayer. We must pray. Look at what it says in verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. The the body, those who knew Christ, they gathered together and they prayed. And then after the Holy Spirit was to come, they 
prayed. And then as they were to go out to do the work of the Lord, they prayed. And everything that they attempted in his name was preceded by prayer. Now, where in the world did they get that model? Jesus himself. Jesus himself. No great act of Jesus in the New Testament was not preceded by a time in which Jesus went alone to pray. Now, if Jesus needed to pray in order to connect with the Father before he released the power of the deity upon the work that he was going to do, how much more must the church connect with the Father in prayer before we are to release the power of the Spirit that lives within us? We must be people of prayer. Now, prayer is not something that we do at the beginning of the service or at the end of the service or the beginning of a meal, but it's not just at the beginning of the day or the end. Prayer is to seek to have communion with God. I'm writing an article for the messenger this week why I gave up my quiet time. And I think a lot of people need to give up their quiet time. And I'll go out on a, on a limb here with this because, listen to me, quiet times in the Baptist church have become a, a ritualistic experience in which you got to read so many chapters in the Old Testament and so many in the New Testament. you got to read a Proverbs and then you got to read a Psalms and then you got to have a prayer. And uh, on Monday we pray for missionaries. On Tuesday we pray for, for our church. And uh, you, you just... It's all, listen to me, I know a lot of people who have quiet times every day and their heart is far from God. It, listen, we all need to find time every day to commune with Jesus. There is a difference in having quiet time and having a set time in which I am going to be in communion with God. In other words, it's relational. Some, sometimes my communing with God is all in prayer. Sometimes my communing with God is all in the Word. Sometimes it's combined. Sometimes it's just sitting there in silence and, and His Spirit just pouring into me because my heart is hurting or broken. But whatever I do that day is to have a relationship with Jesus. To know Him and for Him to know me. To have communion. Not check the box. Listen to me. Churches pray. But do we pray? Do we, do we fervently, earnestly seek the Spirit of God for direction? Oh, they're going. Second, obey. Look what it says in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. So here's the second thing. The command of God is to be obeyed. We can't, we can't do the work of God in the ways of man. Did you hear that? Because it's important that every church hears that. 
We can't do the work of God in the ways of man. Now, we are mere men. And so we often look at things from a physical perspective. But, but the question is not, can we do this? But the question is, does the Spirit want us to do this? You, by faith, sometimes, listen, it's not faith if it can be done without the Spirit of God's intervention. So when a church is obeying the command of God, they've got to know that direction and they've got to know it's from God. How do they know that? Because they've been communing with God in prayer. Listen, you go to the Baptist bookstore, Lifeway bookstore, or if you want to save some money, you go to Mardell's. And you go there, and you know what you can find? You can find a vast selection of materials. Books and programs, notebooks of how to do church. They'll give you all the steps. They'll give you all the ways. All you have to do is just do this program and you can lead the church. And you know what? All of those books and programs have a pastor who pastored a church who didn't have that book or that program available to him. He had a Bible and a calling and a congregation. And the congregation and the pastor began to pray for the direction of God for the church. And they began to obey what the Spirit of God led them to do. And in hindsight, they wrote a book, and now they sell to everybody. And let me tell you something. It worked there, but it doesn't always work here. You know why? Because that plan came from God for that people and that location. The plan for First Baptist Church Bristow is not at Lifeway or Mardell's. It's in this book. It's in your communion with God and your willingness to obey. And attempt by faith, by faith, that which is impossible for man. And listen, if you're not going to attempt anything that, that is outside of your own abilities, good grief, let's just start a country club.
pray, obey. And then verse 8, witness. How many of you saw that one coming? He that wins souls is wise, the psalmist tells us. We are to be his witness. We are to see lives transformed. We need to be a church that people know when you come to this church, you're going to hear the message of Jesus and his redemptive plan for your life. If you want to see change in your life, you need to go to this church because they talk about how Jesus can change your life. You have a problem. You come to this church because this church loves you enough to tell you the truth and show you the way, which is Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. A pastor at a church in Villarica, Georgia, one day a man came and, and he left a card in the, in the uh, a visitor's card in the uh, offering plate. That afternoon, uh, a deacon and I uh, went out to make the visits of those who had visited. And when I knocked on his door, he looked at me and he said, I knew you would come. I said, you did. Because I'm going to tell you, at 3 o'clock, I was debating whether or not I was going to go or if I was going to work on my sermon. But he knew I was going to come. I said, you did? He said, come in. I walked in. Deacon and I, he said, have a seat. We, we sat down. He said, you know what I need? I said, no. What? He said, I need to be saved. I'm telling you, it happened exactly like this. I said, really? He said, yes. He said, you know what I need to do? I said, what? He said, I need to get on my knees right now and ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins and come into my life and be my Savior. And I need to surrender my all to Him. I said, okay. So he got on his knees and he prayed and surrendered his life to Christ. And he got up and he said, you know what I need to do now? I said, maybe. He said, I need to be baptized. Can I be baptized tonight? I said, yes. He said, what do I bring? I said, well, a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. We got a robe uh, and a towel and, and, um, and be there at 5.30 and we'll, we'll, okay. So I said, well, can, can I pray? I mean, you led yourself to the Lord and, you know, talked yourself into baptism. I mean, there's not a whole lot left here for the preacher. You know, throw me a bone here. Let me pray. So I prayed and and I walked out, and, and as the deacon and I were driving back to the church, the deacon looked at me, and he said to me, he said, wonder, wonder what would have happened if we hadn't gone. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm glad he came to our church because he felt like he knew if he came there, we would come. Are you known as a church who's going to go out of their way to take Jesus to the lost world? Pray, obey, witness. <laughs> oh, Lord, if I didn't have to say this in a Baptist church. Encourage. Encourage one another. 
1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Man, wouldn't it be great if every time we came to church we left just feeling good about the fact that we had strived for the sake of the gospel and while we didn't always see the results that we had hoped to see, that we were encouraged and that we were, we were determined and sent with prayer for those that we have been seeking to transform through the power of the gospel. We, we would be encouraged. Last Sunday, I, my wife and I joined a, a, a small Native American church in Oklahoma City that has relocated and has a desire to reach the whole neighborhood. And I'm sitting in Sunday school class last Sunday, and it's quite different Sunday school class than any I've ever been to. Th- these guys don't know that you're not supposed to just say what, what's really real. You know, they don't, they don't know to be guarded against anything. Uh, one of them said that he, uh, the, the, it went like this. Um, one of them started out by saying that he had gone to the ending clinic because he had a backache. They gave him a hundred hydrocodone, and um, and his cousin said, "You know, I'll give you five dollars a piece for those because I can sell them for ten. You'll have five hundred bucks." And 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 he's telling this. I'm going, dude. This is a felony. Well, do do you know this is a Baptist church? Somebody's going to squeal. I'm going to tell it in a sermon. And so he said. He said, and you know, you know how the Holy Spirit works. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, but I mean, usually it's before you make the sale, right? He said, but you know, he said, I thought I needed that money. And you know, every time I started to spend that money on something for me, I, I just thought about, you know, well, wherever he sold those drugs, they, they probably didn't have a, they, they probably weren't hurting. They probably were using those. He said, then all of a sudden I started thinking, man, I'm, I'm a drug dealer. Man, I, I, I'm a drug dealer. I, I'm just like, I committed a felony. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, well, it's a little late for this, you know. I'm sitting there going, keep your mouth shut. And listen, and he said, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And he said, you know what else he did? He made my back hurt. And I couldn't go get any more pills. I said, well, praise Jesus. This is, this, is, this is some kind of testimony. Where's this going? The next guy says, yeah, he said, um, the Holy Spirit has been at work. He said, Brother Tim right here, Brother Tim last Sunday, his son and daughter-in-law and their children got, got baptized. He said, he said, Brother Tim... I went to him three weeks ago and I said, Brother Tim, after you asked for prayer for your son and his family, I, I, I told you, right? And Tim's shaking his head. He said, I told you that if you pray for my brother John, I, I'd pray for your, I'd pray for your, for your family. And, and they got baptized last Sunday. That's how the Holy Spirit works. And he said, right here next to Alan is my brother John. I went, Wow. Now, John's never been to church. And so, he stands up in class. I'm thinking, oh, he just got called out by his brother. He's, he's leaving, right? I mean, that's what we would do, right? Hey, you're going to talk about me. I'm just gone. I'm out of here. He stands up and he says, he says, 
yeah, he said, um, I guess I need to say something now. And I thought, oh, man, where's this going? He said, last week, I was standing on the street corner just down at the end of the block here. He said, I begged on the corner many times. Had no problem. But last week, I stood there, and as people started going by, I started feeling like they were judging me. Now, there's a little bit of conviction coming in my heart because every time I pass somebody on the side, there's a little bit of judgment going on right there in my heart, right? Come on now. You're with me. So I'm thinking, oh, man, what's he going to say? He said, and I just stood there, and he said, I thought, God's not judging me. He loves me. I got to go find my brother. And then a guy pulled up, rolled down his window and said, hey, man, you're not supposed to be on the street. I'm going to give you some money, but you're not supposed to be on the street. God made you for something better than that. And he gave me some money. He said, I got on the bus with that money, and I went to my brother's house, and my brother told me what God made me for. He said, I got saved, and here I am. What? What kind, what kind of Sunday school class is this? I mean, we're actually talking spiritual stuff and not just... I mean, okay, listen. For the, I hate to say this, but we had only read the first section of Scripture and the work of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works was not found in that first section of Scripture or the second, or the third, as I looked forward to seeing, now how long do we, now is this going to extend the class, are we going to get out on time? You... <laughs> but God showed up. One man encouraged another man, another man encouraged another man, and I'm going to tell you, we walked out of that room, built up, you know what? There's a, there's a little verse of Scripture that God gave me as a teenager because I was the king of caps. I, 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 I could cap on you just like that, you know. Um, and, you know, just with a, with a tongue, just, you know, cut your legs out from under you. And the Word of God came to me one day, and it said, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the edification, the building up of one another in Christ. You know, a lot less is said when I temper, will this build them up or tear them down? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is building up. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. In the faith, not with false sayings, but with the faith. Encourage one another in the faith and then rejoice. Look what it says. 46 and 47 in chapter 2 is where this comes from. He says, And they continued daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. Did they eat meat with gladness 
and singleness of heart. They were encouraged. And then in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And God added to their number those who were being saved daily. He was adding. And so there was joy. <laughs> joy. Joy is a funny thing. Joy can be felt in the presence of heartache, sorrow, and suffering. You ever been to a funeral service where somebody has passed and you have the sorrow of their departure? But yet there's this strange peace that passes understanding that's in you that that just causes you to just kind of have a joy. There's, there's just some joy there because they walked with God. And, and even, even in that, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Listen to me. One of my great life lessons Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Philippians 4, 6 or 5 or 6. What does that mean? It, it means rejoice in the Lord. Find your joy in Jesus. Not the world. Because the world is temporal. And Jesus is eternal. No joy. Joy is something that lasts. Happiness is fleeting. You can be happy and sad and follow the whole spectrum of emotion in just a short period of time. But joy is something that is consistent in our heart. It comes from something much deeper than what is happening on the surface or in the surrounding. It comes from within. It comes from God Himself. Rejoice in the Lord. Find your joy in Jesus. Pray, obey, witness, encourage, and rejoice. And greater things... than just physical miracles will take place. Spiritual transformation. I heard a song this week. It's probably been out for years. Or it just came out. I don't know. But I'm working on this sermon. So it was the song that came to me. And I heard it today, uh, this week. And it's the same power that rose Jesus from the dead the same power that can move a mountain the same power that healed the infirm the same power that Jesus shared and showed and demonstrated that same power is in you 
So church, here's the big question. What are you going to do with that power? What are you going to do with that power? Are you going to demonstrate it to the world? Or are you going to hide it in your heart? We're going to have an invitation. For those who have never experienced the life change that Jesus can bring, we invite you today to come and we will open God's word with you and share with you how you can enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that will last for all eternity and change you from how you've been to what he has created you to be. That can happen right here today. And if it's never happened for you, today it can happen. You come, we'll open God's Word and show you how to do that. Some of you have Jesus in your life, but you've been denying His power to move through your life. You've been resisting the Spirit rather than releasing yourself to the Spirit. So I'm going to encourage you today. Maybe you need to come to the altar and say, God, I have been resisting your Spirit. I've not been praying I, or I've not been obedient to what you've said or I've not been your witness and, or I've had a quick tongue of criticism rather than encouragement or I've just lost my joy. Whatever it is, man, just come and recommit to seeking Christ in your life. But whether you need to come to the front or, or, and, or do a work with the Spirit here or not, the whole church can be praying during the invitation that the power of God would rest upon the people of God and that we would not just be hearers of the word but doers. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed. Father, the wonderful thing about an invitation is it's not the invitation of a man or a church. We were not the first to say, come unto me. It was your son, Jesus Christ, who has extended himself to all of us. And in that desire to be intimate with each one of us, you, you have opened your arms and you've said, come unto me. So today, those who are outside the family of faith, may they feel the warmth of your call and may they come unto you and cry out to you for forgiveness of their sin and commit their life to being a follower. For those who, who have resisted your spirit and have not given you full access, oh God, may they, may they sense your outstretched arm and may they come to the altar and may they be embraced once more by you as you Hear them say, forgive me for resisting what your spirit has wanted to do in my life. And God, I pray that you would restore them unto yourself. And for church, I pray, Father, that as you lead them in the days ahead, that your Holy Spirit would make this a place of transformation that all of Bristol was abuzz about. And then all of Oklahoma would hear that you're at work among your people and through your people. For your glory, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.